What's up, Motorcycle Land? If you're a World Superbike fan and you watch the races in Australia, you're in the right place. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, with my man, Bo. What's going on tonight, Bo? Not too much, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Listen, Bo, we're going to be talking about World Superbike and the fact that Ducati evidently wins every race everywhere now except in the U.S. Mm. Um, but first, hit me with that intro music. <laughs> Phillip Island didn't disappoint, really. I mean, there was crazy conditions Saturday, right? And then we got one flat, one race red flag due to geese on track <laughs> in the super sport mm -hmm. category. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure why we couldn't shoe the geese. I, I, I you know, I, maybe they're protected. It I don't is know. a protected species. Yeah. Okay. They're protected. Yeah. So the geese are like, nah, no more racing here, punk. Yeah. <laughs> super sport's dumb. Let's get the super bike. <laughs> yeah. they, they took matters into their own hand. Like, we know who's going to win this. Nobody cares. But I I saw this weekend from a thousand foot overview, I saw Alvaro Batista looking like uh, a world beater. It's still the first weekend. I get it. Mm -hmm. He's he's also outstanding at Phillip Island. Um, he's got an outstanding record there. But he looked amazing. Ducati in general with Rinaldi, uh, especially day two. Um, Rinaldi looked really good. Uh, and, you know, I, and with them winning the super sport, both super sport races, I mean, I don't know. What else can you say, Bo? I mean, it was Ducati domination everywhere. Do you have anything to refute that? No, obviously no. Um, I think race one, Jonathan Ray had more of a fighting chance, but um, I noticed that I think with about 15 or 16 laps to go, um, something caught my eye watching him ride and, um, and I, I texted you and I called that out and I said, Hey, there's something going on with his quick shifter. Um, you know, and, and then a couple laps later really started picking up on him, watching him blip into, you know, in the break zones. Um, so he was fighting some electronic battles and that's what we saw. Uh, I think he had what about a two and a half second lead to Bautista at, at one point in the race. And then that problem kind of, um, came up and then Bautista just ate that lead up and uh, ended up pay, uh, uh, taking the lead and just running away with it. But, you know, even with those struggles, Ray only finished about three and a half seconds off. Um, so to me, that's a little promising. But then race two on Sunday, just um, it just wasn't there for Jonathan Ray. So no. um, Kawasaki, Kawasaki's Kawasaki, got some I think work right a long now. Way. Yeah, they're a long way off right now, honestly, yeah. from Ducati. Um, and... You, you know, it, it Raz Gatlioglu did not look strong. Now, they said many times, and they're, they're correct, like, without a lot of hard breaking zones, you kind of take top racks. You take away his X set. factor. Yeah. yeah it's his... And you, you kind of put it on the side, and that, that's tough. But let's see how they do in Indonesia. You know, um, it'll be very interesting to see. But, mm. you know, I, I was just... <sighs> I mean, I'm watching Alvaro ride, and he, you're right. He won the first race by three and a half seconds. He won race two 
by over six seconds, and he won the Super Bowl race, which is only what ten laps mm-hmm. by two and a half, almost two and a half seconds. Right, so, right. so in the dry, Ducati's factory team is going to be hard to beat. I think they're go- they look really good. So, again, way too early, but you know. Um, I don't know what else you can say. They just look great. Um, Locatelli actually, to me, looked better than Toprak on some level. And look, we talked about him and having to earn that spot, get that contract. Hey, I think he did it this weekend. How did you feel about it? No, I, think, I, I definitely think that Locatelli showed up. And, you know, it's a good call out, too, that, you know, he looked a little bit better, you know, overall, we'll say, than Toprak. Um Again, let's wait to let's let's cool yeah, the jets but, on that. But this but, weekend, but that's anyway, the thing yeah. though is I feel like Locatelli might be putting more tools in his tool bag. You know, at this point in the game, um, we know Top Rack is strong on the brakes. You know, yes. I mean that's that's almost a yeah. staple. You know, but what else can Locatelli make that bike do? Um, and that's not to take anything away from from Top Rack, but I just don't want him to see him become a one trick pony on the Yamaha. Sure, um, but. No, I, I agree. Uh, Locatelli did look did look good. Uh, race one, you know, Rinaldi really wasn't anywhere. Ended up finishing fourteenth, uh, but yeah, really showed wet, up in the Super nothing. Bowl. Yeah. yeah, really showed up at the Super Bowl race in race two, and, and I think that this was exactly the response that Rinaldi needed um, coming at you know kicking off this season. Uh, because because I honestly you know still feel that he's on the hot seat a little bit, so he's got to deliver. Uh, for the rest of the season to really make sure that he holds on to that seat. If he if he puts it on the podium 10, 12 times this year, he'll keep the seat, I think. Yeah. You know, it, well, I, another thing about Bassani, though, Bassani looked very aggressive and almost uncontrolled a couple of times. I can't yeah, remember he which looked, race he was. He was on that ragged was, edge, yeah. He really was pretty ragged um, throughout the weekend. So um, I think that's something he might need to pay attention to a little bit because we do know the Ducati – still has some uh, gentleman characteristics about them when they ride that they look at look for in their riders. Yeah, well, 100%. And, you, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I think uh, it's hard to say what Ducati will do, but if your only person beating you is the other side of that garage, it's hard to it's hard to lose that job. I right, think. right. Um. But going to Yamaha, you know, I think there's still some struggles there. I I just don't think anyone made significant performance strides in the offseason to keep up with Ducati. And at that track, especially without the hard-breaking zone, as we mentioned, with the long straight on the front that's really uphill a little bit in the beginning, which means Mm -hmm. power, and with somebody like, uh, you know, Bautista on it, Gosh, that package just looks so good. The team looks so good. I mean, we could beat this horse all night, you know, yeah, yeah. talking about how good they look. They did. But, you know, we had some other guys that we were looking to see how they did. Um, and you'd mentioned to me earlier in the weekend, you know, during the way you thought Petrucci would do a little more, but he went a ninth, a tenth, and an eleventh uh, on the weekend. And my comeback to you is like, I don't remember the last time I saw a Barney Ducati in the top ten. And I definitely haven't seen them score points in three races, you know, over a weekend. So 
I mean, am I off base? Do you remember a time? I know with Tito. No, Rabat, I don't think so. I expect a little bit more against the likes of you know Iker Lekawona and Chevy Vierge, though. Um, you know, of course they are getting they they've they've ridden their bikes for a year now. They understand their bikes and they're, they're okay with them. But um, I, I just kind of expect that a little bit more out of Petrucci. But I'll also call out in race one. I don't agree with the penalty that he received. Oh, me either. Um, at oh. all, I, I really don't. No. I think that's a, that was hard racing. Um, yep. You know, I understand there's some risk there, but both guys know the risks. We've talked about this uh, how many times now, and I really just do not. Uh, I don't agree with that penalty at all. Yeah, I I don't either. I you know, but it is what it is. Put him in ninth, right behind Redding. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, no, he was he finished. Uh, yeah. Uh, or did he finish eighth? I'm sorry, not ninth. He finished eighth, tenth, yeah, and eleventh. Yeah, okay. But he had the penalty. He would have finished seventh. So, all in all, I mean, it, it was not a horrible weekend. And I think for Barney Ducati, they got to be ecstatic. Uh, they haven't seen that many points in a weekend that I can remember. Now I'm sure they've done it at some point, but I don't remember it. Um, that's how insignificant and irrelevant they've been. But. Petrucci, I, I say let's give him three to four weekends. Mm-hmm. And then if he's down there between 10 and 15, then yeah, you know, maybe maybe the shine's coming off Petrucci a little bit. Um, but uh, he did mention that, they, you know, they found some things to help him and make him feel comfortable, which is great. He said, we have to do things a little differently because of my size. You know, and I, right. I, well, he's I was going to add a, that yeah. too, you know, they're... Yeah. they're he probably took a little bit over from the Moto America guys since that's what they worked with with him all yep. year. But yep. he's also competing, you know, not against Americans now, not against the big boxy individuals that we are, right? Oh yeah, well we like our food over here, so mm-hmm. you know. But I, I think I think I th- let's give him three or four weekends. Let's see what had. You know, we said that about Bassani, but you know he still didn't have a horrible weekend. Uh, I think we saw a fourth, a fifth, and a, what was it, a ninth. Nice. So not horrible uh, in the Super in the race Super Bowl race he was ninth. Uh, so not horrible. I mean, he did okay. Uh, but I think I was really surprised and, and glad to see Locatelli do well. I, you know I me. Mean, I've been his champion since he was in Supersport. That guy's really, really good, uh, and I'm glad to see him doing well. But also, uh, Lekawona and Vierge being where they were, I think Honda has found something with this World Superbike uh, package. Don't you? Do you agree, I, I th- or am I just? Yeah. I think a little bit. We saw a little bit of this last year, though. I, I really felt like you know, Lekawona and Vierge were really uh, knocking on the door of the top ten all last year. Um, you know, there were some kiss- consistency issues, and Lekawona has always been fast, like, even in Moto Two. Lekawona yeah. has has been able to really wring the neck of the bike that he's on quite a bit um, and find his way towards the front. It, what killed him, I think, in Moto2 and ultimately in MotoGP was the lack of consistency and really finding a good rhythm. But now I think that that's starting to come through with that Honda um, in that garage. So I think they're, they're starting to be able to pull that performance out of him. And maybe he's just maturing a little bit more as a rider to where he can calm down and maintain a high level of performance instead of just going out, you know, and, and running sure. on the ragged edge and losing the bike. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think all that's true. And, you know, um, not going race by race this evening, but just kind of the thousand foot view again. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I gotta be honest. I, I was disappointed in what I saw from the factory BMW team and Bonovo. I, uh, I was, 
I can't that argue was... with that at all. As much as I want to argue with that, I really, I can't. <laughs> I expected was... so much more from Scott Redding, um, to be completely honest. Um, and and in race two, I, I mean, there was just nothing but a battle between or the Super Bowl race. It was there was a battle between him, Redding, and or Redding, Gerloff, and and Baz. You know, thirteenth, fourteenth, yeah, fifteenth. I mean, why are our BMWs fighting each other? And then the same, more of the same in uh, in race two. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, so how did you feel about Alex Lowe's weekend? You know, we had the crash, and he actually took out Top Rack, though it wasn't that was not his top, fault. That wasn't Alex's, yeah. To me, I mean, yeah. first, that's just if, racing. Yeah. If Top yeah, Rack he, was, you know, upset at Alex Lowe's because that, to me, that was Top Rack's, you know, issue that he right. decided I, to go that he, deep if, on the outside, right? Yeah, so, you know, that's the thing. Like, Lowe's was not passing him. Yeah, Lowe's had lost a position, the front, yeah. and yeah, and and so you know, but it's unfortunate. And of course, if you're top rack, you're like, oh come on, man. But at the same time, it, it, it's racing, and that to me is a true racing incident. Yeah, um, because you know he had no idea where top rack was. <laughs> he wasn't looking at top rack, and again, he had the position, like you said. So that was unfortunate. But how did you feel like Lowe's weekend went? Honestly, overall. I thought I thought Alex, Alex Lowe's looked really good. Um, I he thought so too. Really racing, uh, really racy. Excuse me. Um, I mean, it looked. I, I I was pleased with it. I, I thought he looked really, really good to come out um, and try to do well. Uh, unfortunately, you know that crash. He was it definitely over the rim, over the limit in that corner. Um, yep. We yep. saw a few crashes in that corner. You know, obviously we saw the um, the Remy Gardner missile. That to me was that that was a that was a rough crash. That was that was Muppet Land. Yeah, yeah. And and, and you know what? And I'll call him out. But I what I loved about it was that Agater was like ah whatever, you know what I mean? And he, yeah, 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 He didn't get it. I'm sure that Remy apologized. That's the kind of dude Remy is. Mm-hmm. Remy knew that was his fault. That was 100 percent just a boneheaded move, uh, a mistake at speed that cost him and his team. And he had to apologize not only to that rider, but the other team, because the other side of the box, because it's his team. So he, you know, he hurt both sides of the box. So right. I doubt we'll see that again. Um, uh, but at the same time, mistakes happen in racing. If you're not making a mistake every occasionally, you're not trying. So Agater, to his credit, shrugged it off. And I, I actually thought Agater looked okay this weekend I think he's going to be a top five player before the year's over. I think he's going to, yeah, he's going to move up quick. Definitely. So uh, I I agree with you. I mean, he looked really racy uh, and I was surprised uh, honestly with just how racy he was. And especially in race two, you know, he took it straight to Jonathan Ray. Um, (laughs) He sure did. You know, I was like, gosh, (laughs) uh, you know, he's not waiting around for this. He, he's going out and he's going to go ride in this championship. He's there for, he's, he's there to win. You know, he doesn't care who else is in the championship. So I I have to applaud him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, who else we got to call out is Philip Odell on the Ducati. Philip Odell looked great. I, I, you know, he had an 11th and a, uh, what was it? A fifth, a sixth, a fifth or sixth. And then, a. Uh, a sixth in the Super Bowl race and a fifth in race two, you know. I, uh, you know, I was I, go eleven. 
You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I think that was a great showing from him. You know, we we've talked about all these guys. You know, we we are really looking at you know, of course, Gardner coming from MotoGP and the two-time defending Supersport champ and Agater, and they look good. But I I mean, especially in race two, Odell looked like like a real contender to be in that top five this year. Now again. We go to some other tracks with some heavy braking zones. Let's see what Odell can do. But right, right. he had a good weekend. It's a good start to the year. That's the main thing. On the flip side of that, did Tom Sykes run five laps in any race before pulling in? <laughs> that was the joke in the house uh, this weekend. It was whenever it showed Tom uh, Tom Sykes and that you know what, guys, I'm done. I'm tired. Forget this. I, I don't. I didn't feel like doing this. I I am I'm wondering what's happening with that team, or if he's not even going to make it a couple more seasons. I mean, if he was having real technical problems, I hate that for him. Yeah. But he sure didn't look like he was willing to keep out there and keep trying to get it worked out. It looked like he was coming. He was like, "Well, it's not working. I'm gonna go sit down." And uh, so we'll see. Uh, but I mean, in terms of in, in terms of the superbike class. Bautista's going to be a handful. He's going to be a handful, man. I, I don't. You. I, again, I, I'm, I'm trying to reserve judgment until I see what happens in Indonesia. But if if Patty Yamaha can't get it together, and they can't really challenge Bautista, then we might be in for an all time win total or point total this year from right, uh, right. from Alvaro. Yeah, you know, because uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do with that guy. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, Jonathan Ray again. Jonathan Ray looked really good in race one. Had a technical problem, but I still don't think that without a technical problem, Jonathan Ray's going to hold off uh, Alvaro Bautista for that no. win. You know, unfortunately, it's going to be. Unfortunately, it's going to be more of the same. I think with other tracks. Um, you know, I've said it before. I, I think the Kawasaki does a lot of things well, but it doesn't do one thing tremendously well and i think that that's what's hurting it right now um even if it was able to you know maintain really good corner speed it's it's not going to beat a top rack on the front end um into a corner it's not going to beat a ducati down the straight so it's almost like the yamaha situation in moto gp it has to get out front and run its lines but even at that point that bike has to run on the ragged edge to be able to stay in front of a a ducati or a yamaha with top yep. rack on the Yamaha, at least. And by that time, the tires are just completely roasted, I think. And, and right. you know, then Jonathan Ray's just riding on ice until the end of the race. Right. Well, I I, I was watching these races this weekend, and, and I thought to myself, well, I don't know anything. Because <laughs> you could have given me a million guesses of what would happen this weekend. And, uh, well, of where, like, Bautista not so much, but the the struggles of Kawasaki and Yamaha. Yeah. I, I've, I would have bet money that it would have been top rack Ray and Raz Gatlioglu on the top three steps every time, but that was not the way it was. And uh, I think that's, that kind of is exciting for the championship in some ways, except for the lead. Uh, but maybe Bautista's teammate, Rinaldi can, you know, can uh, get after him a little bit because he's got the same bike. So we'll see. There could be some sparks there. You know, yeah, absolutely. If, if, Ronnie, if Rinaldi finds any more speed, there definitely could be some sparks somewhere this season um, in that right. garage. Well, I, what I wanted to say was that, you know, 
shout out to Eric Granado, Granado, because uh, even though he was almost three seconds a lap slower than Bautista in race one, and uh, also he was just over two seconds slower a lap in race two, so he made some improvements. Uh, but that Patronus Honda looked cool, but it's just not very fast right now. So hopefully they'll get that figured out. And uh, you this, think they accidentally be... lined the the six hundred up for the superbike race? It felt like it just felt like Granado thought he was still on a moto e bike. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's like, wait a minute, we have to run more than eight laps. I'm exhausted, <laughs> you know. Um, but there's a lot of storylines in this superbike class that I'll be following. I think you know you and I have touched on them all. But really good to see Agater's going to be competitive, in my opinion. I think Petrucci will be competitive. Uh, and we hope that Ray can get up there and mix it up with Top Rack and Bautista because, quite honestly, it's not a lot of fun when the guy wins by four, five, six seconds every race. We see that over here, right? You know, so, you know Granado's bike was down 16K from Bautista's um, on the top speed in race two. Well, he was on the sea power mode because, you know, <laughs> it's, it was scary. Traction control wasn't working on the, the top map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a big discrepancy there. But, you know, I, I, I think when I was watching those races, number one, as I mentioned many times, I was stoked that racing was back. But number two, I was a little bit in awe of, of what Ducati has been able to do um in that like i just it, it's really incredible that a company the size of ducati can do what they're doing you know we saw a couple years ago yamaha did it right yamaha did it in moto america right, they did it right. super by they, they did the triple and that's really that was that's really impressive but the size of yamaha versus the size of ducati and and, you know, and, and I, we're going to touch on MotoGP a little bit later and all that Ducati army. But in truth, you know, they're they're racing not only the highest classes, but also, you know, they're going to do Moto E this year. And they're racing in the super sport classes and doing really well, too. So I've just kind of been awe of what they were able to accomplish this year. I was just like, man, you got to be kidding me. What an unbelievable run they're having right now um and maybe bautista is trying to go back to back you know what i mean yeah um, definitely we'll see we'll see but let's talk about supersport for a minute um we saw nicola bulago win both races uh get his first two wins in the supersport category mm -hmm. i think the thing that stuck out to me most was it didn't look like he was like on the edge, it looked like he was well under control, even willing to give his team a thumbs up as he went by in race one uh, to finish it up, you know. Um, but my goodness, man, I, I was like, uh, you know, Stefano Manzi was, was there in race two in the dry. Kenan Chu was there in the race two in the dry. Kenan Chu on the outlap, though, let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So you've seen that before, right? You, yes. You've... But also, not only did he hurt his his own bike, 
he took the other Sephoglu out. <laughs> I was like, well, this really couldn't go any worse. <laughs> I mean, now he's getting his own countrymen on the deck. And and I, I don't know how Sephoglu didn't see it, quite honestly. Like, I don't know what he was doing, but, you know, it was an unfortunate incident. But uh, give me your thoughts on maybe a newcomer in Spinelli doing real well. John McPhee Pope getting on the podium in race one. Uh, what did you see this? Tell well, me what your thoughts were on Supersport. Race one, you know, I don't, uh, race one, obviously the weather was a factor. So, you know, that that was kind of the great equalizer there. I think it was a good result for John McPhee to be there. I think that he's been having some trouble. Uh, I do think that race two is a little bit more indicative of him trying to get to, to come to terms with the 600 yeah. um, or with that particular bike. We know that that Kawasaki ZX6R, um, it is not the 636. It's still a 599. It's the it's an old bike. Um, you know, those engines are... I don't know what kind of, of upgrades they've seen over the years, what kind of adaptations um, to really be able to compete with the... Uh, with the R6s, with the, you know, even now we come into the F3, the 800s, um, and then the Panigale V2s. Um, I, I don't, I, I just don't know if the ZX6R is the bike to be on uh, right now. But, you know, in race two, Chanonchu really did look well, good on it. And Chanonchu actually lasted quite, you know, much further than a, a simple seven laps to this, this race. So I think that we had talked about that before this race uh, weekend to yep. see if he was going to, you know, make progress there, which he did, which is great. Um, so hopefully that can continue. But, you know, the geese really saved Bulaga, I think, in race two because Manzi was on his way. I think Manzi was um, – he had a couple laps to do it, I think. Um, yeah, I think they stopped it with like four laps to go. Yeah, I, I think like that. that was – I think Manzi was, was definitely on his way to, to try to, you know, charge again. Um but uh, but I think that the Ducati V2, it just takes care of its tires. Something about the Ducatis just, they know how to nurse tires all the way throughout the race, I think. And, and I think that is what these guys are able to exploit in Batista, Rinaldi, and, uh, and possibly Bulga as well. Well, I, yeah, I think going forward, I think uh, I think Marcel Schroeder had a decent weekend. Yeah, I wanted you to know. call that out as well. Good, yeah, yeah. Uh, finishing fourth in race two in the dry, so good on him. Uh, Jorge Navarro finishing sixth. I, I, I'm very curious to see if those two guys can climb the ladder and start challenging these other folks, right? I, mm-hmm. I, yep. That's really what I want to see um, because... They've had a, a world of experience in the MotoGP paddock, you know, running Moto2. So you would think, and it's same with McPhee, but to your point, he had a much less um, powerful bike, you know, much smaller, much different style bike than what this is, much heavier. Um, so I think McPhee is going to be a little bit adjusting to the weight and the power of the bike versus these guys. I think these bikes have less power than what they're used to. Yeah, that's what uh, I wanted to ask. I, I was gonna, yeah. I was curious to know how much does a Calyx bike with the Triumph Seven Six Five weigh compared to, you know, or I'd R6. be very curious. Um, yeah, I'd be very curious. So I, I would like to know that. If anybody knows out there, I'm sure they'll text me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think, I think they these bikes are a little heavier. I don't think they have as much power. So, you know, they may feel real comfortable on them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. no, yeah. no problem. 
And plus, we've talked. There's a tire difference too, so they have to. There's a tire difference, and and character. I think these bikes are these bikes allowed to have electronics. They are allowed to let have electronics, right? Maybe. Because I don't believe that the Voto Two bikes have electronics. Right. So, you know, just a just another experience for them, but good on Schroeder for having a good first weekend, good showing there. Glenn Van Stralen actually finished both races, which was good. And then the newcomer, the guy that I didn't really know much about, Nico Spinelli. What a what a showing in race one in the wet, and then he crashed out race two. But um, I, that guy might that might make some waves in Super Sport. That would be fun to have a new newcomer in there, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'll definitely shake things up. And you know, we talked um, the we see so much talent hitting these these classes, and the gaps just getting closer and closer. I think in in certain areas, so. To really see that come down and to see the the sport become elevated, uh, I think that it's it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. You know the the guy that came over from British Superbike, Taryn McKenzie, in the dry was. I mean, he was over three seconds. So his best lap was three seconds slower than the fastest lap from Bulaga, and that's a big gap. That Honda Six Hundred RR has got a lot of work to do. Um. I, I'm not sure which Honda 600RR they're using. Um, is it the one they released in Japan? It does because look they, like the new, uh, the, the quote, new, new model. The, okay. Uh, the, so it's based the, new, on the new, new body. Yeah. Okay. Well, but I, I want to say there's not much difference. I, I think it was updated for the Euro 5, um, uh, EP, uh, the, the Euro 5 specifications for emissions. Sure. Sure. Um, but other than that, I don't think that engine really got much, uh, much of an upgrade. Well, I think, uh, I, I, it's I a good looking bike. Uh, I mean, that's, I, I love the Patronus colors. Yeah. yeah. I love them, but I, I just don't know about the performance of it. Um, right. You know, I, I I don't think Nikki Tooley had as good a weekend as he was hoping for. Ollie Bayless, same thing. I, I think both of those guys are leave a little bit disappointed, but maybe hungry to do better in uh, Mandalika, which would be great. Um, I think, I think for sure, we we just we have to see them. I think after Indonesia, we'll have a better sense. I think first weekends are always a little bit crazy, right? Uh, yeah, new teams it's, it's almost it's still a shakedown, right? I mean. Yeah, this is the first bit, time everyone's seen each other in race trim. Everyone's still sniffing each other and seeing how they're, you know, how they're yeah. going to behave. And yeah, um, yeah, you know, now so, Agater's got to put rearview mirrors to make sure that Remy Gardner's not going to fire it up the inside again. So yeah, it's just getting used <laughs> to everything. That's right, that's right. Um, but you know, when they leave Phillip Island, Marcel Schroeder's got himself in third place in the points. Um, and John McPhee has himself in fifth place, tied with uh, fourth place Nicholas Spinelli. So, you know, I, man, I, I think those two guys, they got to be pretty happy. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a good year. I, I'm very interested to see if Bulaga dominates. Or like you said, maybe maybe Manzi comes and serves him up a little bit because Manzi, we know, we can win a race. I mean, and and he was charging for sure. Uh, I think he made a mistake, and that's kind of what's put him back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think you're right. I think he was mounting another charge, and uh, it would have been interesting to get all the way there. But the geese were like, no, we like Nico Bulga. Sorry. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> it's it's important to, you know, Manzi has a 
you know, Bulaga has Ducati behind him, but Manzi is definitely on a any championship winning team, right? I mean, Tenkata oh, is yeah. the team you want to yeah, be you, on. Yeah, like you said, you got to go Tenkata if they come knocking. Uh, so I think he made the right choice. I, I, I think he'll do very well there, so I'm happy about that. Um, but overall, the weekend was was super interesting. The rain was crazy on Saturday, but we got a good dry day on Sunday. We got to see some good racing and, uh, all in all, I, I, I'm just excited that the motorcycles are running again, man. Thank goodness that uh, world Superbike is scratching the itch right now because we still have what, 25, 24 days until we see a MotoGP race of any kind. No, we're down to about 42 days before we fly to uh, oh. Austin. So, man, that's a uh, yeah, it's a lot of days, Bo. <laughs> yep, it's a lot of days. Well, uh, speaking of MotoGP, uh, we saw you know, they had a um, you watched the all in documentary, uh, Mark Marquez. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I, all right, so let's touch on that a little bit. What did you think? Um, did you learn anything? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I, I mean, it, yeah, I, I do think that it um, it kind of highlights, I think, what we've already talked about, the fact that Honda um, owes Marquez a bike that he doesn't have to, you know, do what he has to do on. He doesn't have to risk everything like he has. Um, you know, and we called, out, called that out. We, you know, Marquez is even asking the question, you know, it's at what point, when does he have to stop? Um, and then he has to, he tells Honda that, you know, you've got to give me a bike to do that on. Um, if I'm not going to do it, uh, if I can't do it with you, then I'll go somewhere else and do it. Um, I think that's a fair statement. I agree. But, uh, I agree. I'm putting my life on the line here. Look at my arm. I love yeah. that when he said, you see this, this isn't to go and finish 10th. This is to win. You know, I love that. I, I, again, I think it made him human to me and not just a guy behind a helmet. Um, so I'm with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he had every right to say that to Honda. He's an eight-time world champion. This isn't a guy that won because he was consistent one year, a fluke, flash in the pan. This yeah. guy was dominant. In 2019, never seen a season like 2019 from anybody. Never. This guy was so dominant. Uh, and, just, you know, that one crash. And I, and I also love that he blamed himself for all these problems. You know, he said very clearly that the, the accident and the broken arm wasn't the problem. The problem was me trying to come back the next week. Yeah. And I thought, okay. Okay. And I, I, I so I want to be a fan of Marquez because I, I the more I think about it, the more I think it it's really hard to make a case against him not being the very best we've ever seen do it. I I, I don't know how I, I you think argue you have it. to. I think your measuring stick has to change depending on who you're looking at. You know, for what for you know what their purpose was. Um, yeah. It, you know, obviously, we never got to see a Rossi in his prime race against. I did. Marquette. Excuse me. Let me finish. We never got to see a Rossi in his prime race against a Marquez in his prime. So you think in 2013 Rossi was through his prime already? Yes. Okay. All right. 
Well, if 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 that's and there, your and we have two different bike, right. and we have two different comparisons, right? We don't know what Marquez might have looked like on a 500 cc two-stroke. I'm not saying he couldn't ride one, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's yeah, you know what I'm getting at. You know, there's a complete. Well, if he's two- crashing this four-stroke, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's crashing yeah. a four-stroke like a like it is a two-stroke, right? Yeah, right. So you're right. I mean that that's true. That's why the greatest ever debates are hard. But it's just in terms of result. I think the other part for me is that how close the field is now, um, and he still dominates it. But I think another key component that we have to always consider is longevity. I, I think if you take other sports into account, guys like Wayne Gretzky, who is, you know. Uh, the greatest hockey player probably that's ever been. Um, guys like my, Michael Jordan, guys yeah. like Tom Brady. These guys played for a long time too, so mm-hmm. longevity is definitely a consideration and a part of it. Um, and and you know, for Mark, he's he's been out largely. He missed twenty twenty, some of twenty. He was back in twenty one, but not healthy, and then he missed most of twenty twenty two. So we need to see he can do it because, in my opinion, he's one crash away from missing four races. Right. And right. then the world championship's out the window. Um, so but the the Diplopia thing, I think, is the most concerning uh, because that, you know, it seems to happen to him. Anytime he hits his head and he seems to hit his head. Right. It's not a one-off uh, event. Anymore. No, it's, and, it's it, and it's expected. worse. Yeah, yep. And it gets worse when you keep doing it, right? Like that's, that's the fortunate part. So I, all that to say, you know, I, I like the documentary. I thought it was pretty well done. I thought it mm-hmm. told the story well. And I, I, I learned some things I didn't know about Mark Marquez, about the process, about what was going on behind the scenes. And I thought that was a really interesting way to introduce Mark to people or to inform them about Mark. Um, do you think more writers should do these type things to increase the visibility and the following of MotoGP? It can't hurt, right? Um, I I don't think it can hurt at least uh, because it's, you know, the exposure to get it out there and to increase awareness, I think is critical. Um, I actually, just before we hopped on tonight, I actually watched a uh, documentary. It was a race, it was a race season uh, recap more or less of a, an IMSA team last year. And uh, Frank DePew's like first season in IMSA racing. Um, so I mean, it, you know, if if it's there, if there are, are race fans out there, they're gonna watch something, right? They're gonna find something to watch, whether it be something like Drive to Survive. Um, that can uh, was it the, uh, uh, the the Texas tornado, the 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 and the Kentucky Colin kid. Edwards, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, the doctor, the right, tornado, yeah, that's the it, yeah. Kid, yeah. Um, so. It's it's gonna be out there if you can get content. I think there was there was another one about the uh, Bobby something like that raced the Baja One Thousand on the Honda XR uh, six fifty. I think um, you know so, but but it's getting people into it right. I think that's what you're kind of driving at. You want people that aren't necessarily race fans, but but to get them interested in it. So I think there has to be some sort of storyline created around it um, to really draw. Well, the, yeah. uh, and this isn't, this isn't said to be disrespectful, but to draw the ignorant in, right. You have to kind of uh-huh. bait the hook a little bit because they don't know, um, they don't know 
what goes on behind the scenes throughout a race weekend. They don't they don't know what's actually behind it. They think it's just a bunch of nut you know nuts that are jumping on a motorcycle and and chasing each other around. Um, essentially, that's all it is. But that's what you and so I much. do. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. what that's they what, do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we chase each other around and we insult each other afterwards. So, I mean, that's right, right. I mean, well, I can understand why nobody would be interested in that. I I don't understand why. I, <laughs> I love it, but I I think I think you're right. I do think that the drive to survive, which season five is now out, is now out. In case you didn't mm-hmm. know that, yep. um, I do think that series has had a tremendous effect positively on F1. Uh, and I mean, if you look at it since they've started that. We have went from one to three F1 races in the U.S. Right. Yep. That's incredible. That's incredible. So I I think the same thing for MotoGP. I realized that they didn't kill it with the first MotoGP Unlimited. But do you ever get it right perfectly on the first time? No. And, and you don't know what you want until you see it sometimes. So I think I hope they can keep that series going or try to, you know, pull it back and do it again because i i think you're absolutely right i i don't know as a writer if i want a camera crew with me for two months or three months every day i i I don't know if i can handle that but the the series that's bringing people to my sport i have to do that right like the series that the whole paddock is doing we have to be involved there that's being a professional well, so so I will say this. Here's the caveat to that. I made this comment to my wife actually uh, during Drive to Survive. Was that I hate the fact that F1 drivers um, have to do so much manual press uh, because at the end of the day, their job is to go drive a car. Uh, same as MotoGP riders, their job is to go out and ride a bike. Um, you know, and Casey Stoner, I think is a perfect example of it. I mean, Casey Stoner just wanted to ride the bike. That's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to have to do all the other, you know, the, the dog and pony show, the hoops to jump through. He was contracted by Ducati to go ride the bike and that's what he wanted to do. But, um, ultimately I think the other, the, the, uh, the chronic fatigue, um, and, you know, confusion with that, it was possibly depression as well. Um, that you know affected him tremendously, and ultimately, I think is it, it drove away possibly someone that we could be arguing about now against Marquez as, as possibly the greatest talent we'd ever seen come through MotoGP. Yeah, maybe so, but he, you're right. I, I, but as a professional, you have to do some of that stuff. So I get it where he was coming from because I'm a little bit that way too. Like I don't want to do that. I just want to ride. Right. Want to do my yeah. job. But unfortunately, as a professional, your job is to you know, advertise the Fulfill brand contract. and represent oh, yeah, the brand. Yeah. Absolutely. And when they're paying you millions of dollars, it's just kind of what it is. Um, but all that to say that I think any exposure through the media is uh, is valuable to any series. Moto America, World Superbike, Moto GP, Formula One, um, you know, any of those. It's super valuable. And I think Formula One has capitalized tremendously on the, the success of Drive to Survive. And um, I, I would love for someone to pick up and do the MotoGP the same time because I would be looking forward to that first episode every year, even though I know what happened. Even though I know what happened. Yeah, well, so it's interesting to see the the backside story that gets painted, right? Um, because we read, um, we, we see the crashes, we see the collisions uh, throughout the season, we see the 
potential quote drama that get, that unfolds each week. Um, but but the theatrics are what really kind of draw the people that don't pay attention the week after week. They don't watch the practices. Um, you know, those are the kinds of storylines that really start to draw people in. So uh, for me, it's the um, it is the it, it, I want to know if all that's true, right? I want to know what how much of that storyline is fabricated. Um, and how much of it has it holds any kind of value, um, because we know that the media can blow something completely out of proportion. When some of these guys that are that are on the bikes and in the cars, they just kind of shrug their shoulders and think, yeah, I was mad. It's not a big deal, though. It is what it is, and they move right. on with their lives, right? right. But other, but right. but the media paints it as they hate each other, and you know, similar to what the the Rossi Marquez relationship, um was more or less i think that that was a a clearer representation of what that actually was this is more of a professional tolerance um of both individuals that finally came to a head yeah i, I you know i think i the one thing i will take away from that is they were talking to marquez and he was so it's like you know rossi was doing these things in the press and if you're fast you don't do that okay i can see that I make a good point, but out of the other side of his mouth, he said that you make your teammates life miserable and like he was keeping them from giving parts to Danny Pedroza. Right. Well, if you're fast, you don't worry about that. I thought exactly. you said. Yeah. So I don't, so for that, like I saw through that a little bit, although you and I have talked many times, I hate the fact that you're not working together. Like, yeah, go race and keep it clean. Yeah. But we're not going to do the thing, yeah, making your teammates' life miserable doesn't make you a great racer to me. It makes you a douchebag. And 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 so, you know, for me, I wrestle with that with Marquez when he says those things. He's like, I, I want to make my teammates' life miserable. But then he doesn't understand why no one came to his trailer. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. my man, you, you're, you gotta, you got to do a little bit different job now. That's the way he's been, and that's who he is, and that's okay. He's an eight-time world champion because of it. So, you know, far be it for me to tell somebody they're not living their life correctly, but also you have to take, you know, there are consequences to everything. There's a equal and opposite reaction to every action, right? So mm-hmm. you just you have to set that. All right, this is what I'm going to do because winning's the most important thing to me. And if these guys don't want to be my friends, that's fine. But I do think that you know Wayne Rainey and Kevin Schwantz hated each other when they were <laughs> racing. And now they're they're good friends. And I, I wonder if once Marquez is done racing, if Marquez and Rossi end up crossing paths more than once, if they don't work that out. But right now there's no there's no stopping that. Like they yeah. Rossi's cool with it being bad. And and so is uh and so is so is Mark. So that's fine. Um but you know, speaking of Mark and Honda and Mir at Honda, they had their big uh, unveiling in Madrid. They did a big, big thing there. And um, the comments from Mark at the at the unveiling of the livery, which has changed a little bit, actually. And they they actually have an Akrapovich sticker on the bike. Um, Repsol allowed blue on the bike. Um very different than what they've done in past years, but Marquez's tune changed a lot at that media event versus what he was saying at the track. You know, at the postseason tests, he said it on the documentary. I told him, I'm not riding anymore with that. There's no point. 
It's terrible. And then, you know, he was not happy after the initial test in Sepang. So there, though, he seemed really optimistic. So I'm very curious as to where he actually is, or if you think he was just walking the dog a little bit at the media event. Um, I think there was political, there was probably political influence about They were that. like, don't you trash us. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Wow, well, I, I personally think so, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you're Honda and you're throwing this huge event, then you don't want, you want positive vibes only, right? Right. You, you came all the way to Madrid to unveil it. Yep. Um, so for, for Mark, I think you, you're right. He might've just been putting on a happy face, but I can guarantee you there's some tense dudes over at Honda right now. Um, let's talk a little bit about Ducati. I, how good do they look right now? Seven of the top nine are Ducati. Yeah. Seven. I, I mean, we, how, how, I hate to say it this way, but you know we've we, we, it's it, at this point it's a broken record, right? I mean it's it's the best bike on the grid, um, arguably. How did they get here, Bo? How did that company get there? Uh, honestly, I think it was not being afraid to try, stepping outside mm. the box and trying something new, which is something that the Japanese manufacturers just don't seem to understand that they don't want to try. Well, I'll agree with you, but I'll also say they learn from their mistakes. Yep. Last year, 22, testing was a disaster. Yep. And they were testing like all the way up until FP4. Well, it wasn't It wasn't even, it was beyond testing. I mean, we saw that even into the second race when, uh, you know, uh, Peko Benyai was so upset that, you know, they were treating him like he was a test rider. He's not a test rider. He shouldn't be trying new parts. Right. They need to have a right. bike that is ready to go for him. Um, obviously they heard that they, they heard that in the season, just like you were talking, they stopped the, the bus. They said, let's figure this out. Let's reset. And they reset. And guess what? Now they have a champion again. Yeah, they have a champion and they came out this year with a bike that Peko says it's already at the level of the 22, which was a tremendous bike mm -hmm. with a lot more potential. Are you kidding? Now with that said, we just made a comment that. Um, you know, Marquez said something similar about Honda. So, and we speculated that there was, you know, some po political influence of Marquez's statement. So, with that being said, just to be objective, I would think that, you know, maybe Peko had some pressure from Ducati to maybe share something similar. Maybe, but, but I don't think so in that. It was a pretty candid interview. But, you know, that could also just be a Pecco trying to make sure that he's still inside everyone else's head because they saw exactly what he could do last year and what he did well, on a historic level last year. So, on top of that, you know, but I, but I think you, you could absolutely be right, but on top of that, Tardasi said that both Bastianini and Pecco said the bike has this one problem. Is this this one thing? He said it was exactly the same for both riders, so we know that. Now we can fix. Well, I said now we can fix, like he said it. Like, now they can fix it. <laughs> he didn't use correct English. But yeah, yeah. He's like, but both riders had exact same problem, you know. And so I said, I, I just feel like it's just an amazing package already so if it if Pecco's telling the truth and it's already at the 2022 level my goodness man 
you know, I, I think, and the 2022 bike was fastest in both the Valencia and this test and Luca Marini. So he's the practice world champion again. He took Mavericks mm-hmm. practice world championships, you know, and I was just thinking about it today as just, man, because I, I was thinking about World Superbike and what we were going to talk about. And then this crept into my mind and I'm like, man, what an unbelievable turnaround and accomplishment for a company of the size of Ducati. Right. It, it, it's just an Because remember how, how dark the days were that Rossi was riding for him. Oh, my gosh. So bad. So bad. But it just it's it's amazing to me that they have done that. And and then to your point of the Japanese not they didn't learn from their mistakes always. They're slow to they're slow to fix things. All the they've always been that way. So they're not learning, whereas Ducati's like, okay, this didn't work last year. We're not gonna do this again. Right. We're not gonna do it, just make them suffer through, and then you have to have a a tremendous second half. No, no, no. Let's improve small things. Let's touch small things. Make some improvements. You know, we did some motor improvements, all those things. But once they get that torque map and engine braking and all that sorted to where each one of those riders like it, I just, I don't, I don't know how you're going to compete with them. Because I think, you know, Yamaha had to come so far to get that much power. Right. And now they're struggling to put a fast lap down. Well, I don't even know how that happens. Like, it feels like you should be able to figure that out easily, but that feels like something that could derail a season if you can't qualify well over and over and over. Ask KTM. Yeah. Right? So, you know, and and then with KTM, the the word on the street, now I told you I listened to a bunch of podcasts, the word Mm -hmm. on the street that I heard was that KTM actually made a lot of progress over the winter. They had some really good improvement, but they weren't testing it with Jack Miller. They were testing it with Brad Bender because he's the benchmark. And so Brad, you know, Jack was struggling, but you would expect once Bender says, these are the ones you need to this package with arrow, this motor, whatever, whatever, then Jack will get all that. And hopefully that'll improve for Jack. But the feeling in the press corps after the Sepang test was that KTM was going to have a good season and they've made a ton of improvement. Surprisingly, they did not feel that way about Yamaha, which was a little surprising. They felt the same well, way we do about Ducati. But Well, so, I mean, Yamaha and Honda, both of those manufacturers did not want press at Sepang at all. I know, which is, yeah. That's so, pretty telling to me. I, really telling, and I will say this you, though that that Repsol the new Repsol looks good at least. Uh, I mean it. Oh, it looks it, great. Yeah, it's does, a, it's a beautiful does bike. The, does the mere Dayglow yellow give you harken back to the days of Rossi though? A little bit. Or did you not? It, it does, a, a right? Like, bit, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he's doing that to wind his teammate up a little bit. <laughs> but he huh. that, those are, that's the col- same colors he's his color color scheme he's ran though for quite a while. Oh, I know that. But at the same time, no, I think, no, I think that's how those guys think. (laughs) I I do. Like, I really do. Now, Mir would never probably admit it, 
But when he saw that on there, it's a 36 instead of a 46. If that dude would have ran a 46, if he could have, I would have died. I would have thought greatest knife troll twist move, yeah. ever, <laughs> greatest troll in the history of trolls. But I think, you know, I think Mir's got, uh, he's probably a little nervous. I think Renz is probably a little nervous looking at where they finished over that weekend. Yeah, yeah. But none of that matters once they get to a track like Portimao, which is completely different than Sepang. And, you know, they'll all test there. I think on the last day of the test at Portimao, we will know if Honda has really made some strides because they're going to have to do time attacks because they're going to have to practice for the next weekend, right? So we're going to see. But right now, Mark's putting a happy face on it. Um, but he didn't have that happy face after the test, you know, and with Ken Kawachi, Kawachi or Kawachi, I think it's Kawachi, um, with Kawachi in the, the, the Repsol, again, I, I listened to a podcast, I'm going to go and shout them out. It's called the Paddock Pass podcast. And these mm-hmm. are actual journalists that are there every week. They're always at the MotoGP events. So what he said was that last year at the test honda didn't even get brattles equipment to the track on time because somebody had miscalculated and they were just very disorganized so brattles in the paddock borrowing leathers and boots and helmet because none of his stuff was there uh the bike he was riding wasn't the bike he was supposed to be riding and not so big change kawachi came in and immediately organized a lot of stuff so it's much different but then you see him going back to the very basic no wings uh, fairings, just trying to understand and get a baseline, which is great because that yeah. means they're trying. But it's also a little unnerving if you're a because it means Mark they have Marquez. no direction right now. Yeah, exactly. You have no clue. That means that all the work you did and all the wind tunneling you did and all that is not working. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the wind tunnel was broken or if they just got some bad advice or. You know, they just tried something and it didn't work. I, I don't know, but uh, I think the Suzuki project was a good one. I think Kawachi will do well at Honda, but I don't know that it'll be this year. I think it might take a year to get that back on track. Um, and I agree with what they say on the Paddock Pass podcast, and that is that uh, Honda's in some real trouble uh, because, you know, if Mark's not doing well at the end of this year, um, you know, he's only got one year left. You yeah. start looking for other places to go. And there's some bikes out there. Who's going to turn down Mark Marquez? Yamaha, maybe. <laughs> but they did it once, but that's just because of Rossi. Mm-hmm. But who's going to turn down Mark Marquez? I don't know who would do it. Would you, would you no. if you were a team owner? Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, just for the sponsorship money alone and the attention that he's going to bring, I mean, that, that's immediately going to put your team on a completely different uh, different economic level with sponsors uh, to be able to fund research and development and innovations for your team, for that bike. Yeah. And don't forget, you have a singular talent, a transcendent talent on your bike giving you feedback, which yeah. I think is invaluable. Yep. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. What a, what a marketing tool he is. But it's going to be an interesting year in MotoGP. 21 races plus sprints at every weekend. That feels like a lot of races. That's 
going to be a lot more parts. Absolutely. I mean, in these sprint races, goodness. Uh, I mean, to me, look what how many were the half race distance. Um, yeah, I think I think that's right. So they're half points too, right? Right, but I mean, it's going to be twice as twice the drama though. Twice, you know, you're we're talking about half half race distance every single lap is it like a qualifying lap yeah i mean that's the uh, truth it's, i think it's what this is nuts. going to yeah it's gonna be nuts i think what this is gonna do is it's gonna put a ton of pressure on the teams and if there are small cracks and small issues those are going to become big cracks big issues right because it's a lot of travel and i think uh another thing they said on that podcast is to a team they said 18 races is the perfect amount. It's the maximum. 18 weekends. 21 is just way too much. So I think MotoGP may be a little guilty of trying to add circuits to add popularity well, versus, I think that, you know. I, I think they're following the F1 lead, honestly. They're kind of following the money a little bit to try to get some more attention so to it. That's a, Yeah, that's an interesting thing, too, though. Because does MotoGP have a cost cap like F1? Yet. I don't believe they do. Not, not yet. yet. So you're adding races, but in, but you're capping costs. You know what I mean? Like that, no. that doesn't make sense to me. I guess it does if you're a satellite team. And, like, these tests are super expensive for the satellite teams, right? Like, this is super mm -hmm. expensive to get everybody there. Wind testing, tunnel time, yeah. Wind tunnel time, you know, getting to the track. Um, and I, I think, you know, so less tests, I understand. But, man, it sure is a lot of races. I, for me and you, it's great. But for the teams and the riders, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, because as a, as a person that had a job once where I traveled – Every weekend was in a different city, you know, and was gone from home six, eight months at a time sometimes. It, it's a lot. And so that's a lot. And those guys are flying all over the world. They're not staying in the same time zone. They're, right, right. You know, they're everywhere all over the world. So jet lag's a real thing. And uh, I, I'm just interested. I, I'm ready for it to kick off. Can they start tomorrow? Yes or no, Bo? I wish. Bo, did you, I thought you were calling. I thought you were calling Dorna. See if we can set <laughs> that up. Like I was like, I was excited for a second. Um, but in the other news, you sent me a text today and you said that you have now taken your ECU out of your bike and you're going to send it over to SBU, Superbike Unlimited. Yep. And get it flashed, and then get her back in there, and get her running, and we're going riding. Something like that. That's the plan. All right, I'm in. I'm here for it. Well, when you get really good and you get really comfortable again, and you go buy that BMW, <laughs> maybe maybe I'll have to buy that that old that old Cowie back from you. I don't know. Oh yeah, back. What are you talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the bones, man. The heartbeat's still mine. <laughs> well, I mean that that's debatable. Like. You can't ride a motor. That's true. You're also not, you're also not going to go anywhere sitting on a frame. A hundred percent true. Like the bike that I had here with a motor in it wasn't going anywhere. It was going the same place that it would be going if you're just sitting on your motor. You know what I mean? So that's true. But I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to you know the the weather's getting nice out here. Um, it's been unseasonably warm. 
Pollen Geddon has started. Yes, it did. It started uh, earlier this week. I'm well yeah. aware. Yeah, so I, I think um, I the way I like for Pollen, I have a theory. I like for it to go about six or seven days, get really heavy, have a good heavy rain, then go again for another six or seven days, good heavy rain, and usually, you know, then it's not so bad. But if you go three weeks without any rain, oh my gosh. <laughs> it you're you're living you're living in a in a pollen what do you call it? A, a pollen globe. It's just crazy. And if you have allergies, do you have them, Bo? Or you I do. I sure pollen? do. Yep. It's bad. Oh, it's rough. It it feels so good right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes, they oh, just man. bleed constantly. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, uh, But, uh, yeah, man, I, I think, you know, I'm excited for this race this weekend. What are you expecting? I mean, are you expecting a bounce back from top right? Because I kind of am. A little bit, yeah. I think some more. I think it's going to be more bad news for Kawasaki, though. Um, I, I do think that uh, top rack's going to come back stronger. Not sure if he's got a race win in him uh, just because – God, he's just so dominant right now. But I actually am expecting a little bit more from Locatelli too. Um, no, you well, know, not saying he did yeah. poorly at Phillip Island, but I'm, I'm oh, ready sure. for. Uh, no, you I know, understand. I think that he's got some momentum from Phillip Island that he's going to be carrying into this weekend. Um, so I, I would like to like to see him kind of keep that and kind of ride that wave a little bit more. Well, if you were, if you had five words to describe Ducati right now, what would it be? Five words to describe Ducati. Yeah. Like they do this on the other podcast. I love it. I want to hear what you had to say. Consistent. I'm not very creative. I'm not a wordsmith. Um, so, I mean, consistent would be the top one. Uh, versatile. I think a Ducati is, is good in just about any condition. It looks like, um, we've seen that. Um, Fast it has to, you know, obviously we've got to be fast to win the, win the stupid race, uh, conservative. It takes care of its tires and it's, it, it it's just the bike just, it seems to take care of the rider as well. It, it's, it's, uh, what is I think that, that's like 400 four? words. Yeah. That's um, 400 words. I, I would, my five words are winning all races this year. So those are five <laughs> adjectives. I mean, that's winning all races. Okay. I didn't know. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, next but, week we'll do a, a haiku about Ducati. Oh, there we go. That's cool. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, I, I know that you're you're a undercover poet. I know that. I know that about you. Um, but I, I I do think it's just the first weekend. We were definitely overreacting. Um, but I also think, for me, I'm tying it to last year. Right, because as, you know he was so dominant at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. MotoGP, yeah. same thing. They're going through testing. They're looking dominant. Everybody's dominant. Everybody, and and then when you look at a timesheet like you saw in MotoGP, with seven of the nine fastest bikes are Ducati. Right. The only one that wasn't the fastest uh, was Mark was Alex Marquez, right? And he was what tenth or eleventh. So, up from where he normally was last year. Uh, in 18th is is a pretty big improvement. And so, you know, we forget all the time that Alex Marquez is a two-time world champion. You know, if two- we see, yeah, if we see, if we see the kind of performance out of Ducati in World Superbike, World Supersport, 
and MotoGP. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to go too far and also say, you know, Moto America, because um, I think that's a little bit further of a stretch given the Yamaha dominance we've talked about before. Uh, I think that the five words that people can expect to hear on Monday when they walk into a Ducati dealership is everything is out of stock. <laughs> everything out of stock today. Yes, sir. Um, but I, I agree with you. But, um, yeah, I I think before I hang up my leathers for good, I'm definitely going to have to get a Ducati. I, and, told, uh, I told my wife tonight, actually, before we jumped on here, I we were talking about... Um, you know, actually the, the Honda Ducati, um, or, or the Ducati situation more or less. And, um, you know, because I made the comment, you know, it's, it's the Ducati world championship, you know, so we're going to be watching all this year. And that spurred a big conversation. And I told her, so I'm not mad at Ducati for us. And I'm mad at the situation because I want to see other manufacturers fighting for, it. I want to see other manufacturers on that level. Um, and I told her, I, I, I absolutely, I had no qualms about going. If I, if money were no object, I'd walk into a dealer right now and buy a V2 for the street and, you know, possibly a V4 for the track. You know, it's just, it, they're amazing bikes. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I, I think, um, the Ducati faithful, they're just a different breed. You know, they, they feel like their bikes have a soul. They, they, they love it. They live it, breathe it. I bet you Ducati's a lot like Ferrari, and they sell more clothing and make more money off clothing than they do bikes. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I agree with you. I mean, they look beautiful. Of course, they're Italian. Italians do a great job. But they look beautiful. They run amazing. I mean, what's the new V4R? It's like, if you put it in track mode, 240 horsepower? That's unnecessary. Huh. No, it is not. It is absolutely necessary so that when I'm blasting down the back straight at Road Atlanta, I'm like, whoa, no. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait. I, I hope one day I uh, get the gumption up to buy one. But every time I look at the price tag, I'm like, blah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't bring myself to do it. I got I to gotta man up at some point, Bo. That's it. Maybe that's that's all we do. You're going to end up buying an Aprilia first, though. Mm, you think so? Your Maverick's your dark horse pick, huh? I told so. I did tell my wife. I said, "Who knows? Maverick could win a race this year." Uh, he, I absolutely think he could win a race, but as long as that '93 is in that paddock, <laughs> I'm telling you, I am telling you, he has nothing for '93. '93 will get that dude so mad he'll start rev bombing the Aprilia. I'm telling you, 93 is just a different animal out there, and he, he owns. He uh, I think he moved to Madrid and moved into Maverick's neighborhood just to mess with Maverick. <laughs> That's what I think. That's the whole thing. Like I, I wonder if he's trolling Maverick right now on social media. Like I don't know. He's got some secret Instagram accounts where he just trolls Maverick. But I, I think Maverick's undoubtedly has to be considered a contender this year. But we've seen this from Maverick year after year after year. We all know he's fast. He's one of the most talented. He's just he's just unable to do it mentally yet. And right, so maybe right. this is the year. Maybe yep. maybe a you know RSV four factory is in my future. Oh, I'll be mad at myself. <laughs> but but having said that, I mean there are worse bikes to have, right? This is true. So, but um, yeah, I mean so. Did you have anything else this evening, Bo? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, that's uh, that we we kind of went around the around the circle quite a bit. I think with uh, World Superbike and and even touching yep. on MotoGP. So, yeah. Well, we gotta we we definitely want to see some improvement for some guys of you know in World Superbike. You know, from Ray and Top Rack and and from uh, from our guys that we were looking at Agater, Gardner, uh, Petrucci. I all I want to see them do better, but it's a different week. We got they start uh, at. It's like 10 o'clock our time tomorrow. So, you know, they're in Indonesia. We'll see what happens. And I'm very curious to how that track plays out because we know the grip issues that they had. They had to resurface it and all that stuff. So I'm wondering if the and, grip is better, if the track is better. We'll see. And, you know, there's always the threat of rain too. So that's another another right. caveat. Can we, can we not in Asia construct, like leave it open like a pavilion? Can we not construct that? Is that is that beyond our engineering limits at this point? Feels like it shouldn't be. But what do I know? Yeah. yeah. What do I know? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it, I feel like weather is just part of life. It should be part of racing too. But it sure does seem to rain at the most inopportune time, inopportune times in Asia. It really does. Right. But what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, so. If you're not following us on social media, it's Bo's fault. And so please do. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook at Parked and Turn One. And, you know, if you guys are out riding this weekend, I know coming up very shortly, I think Roebling Road is holding um, some running. I don't know if anybody's running this weekend, but I know Roebling Road's running the 12th and the 11th and 12th, something like that. Um, I think Jennings is running the next weekend with Track Day winner. So if you guys are out there riding the street on the track, hey, please be careful. Keep that rubber side down, that shiny side up. And uh, thanks so much for listening this evening. We'll see you next week. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, saying good night with my man Bo. Have a good one, guys.